but we wouldn't base any scripture on it. So um, that doesn't mean, though, that we can't learn anything from it tonight. And so I just wanted to point that out. And uh, it, this po- story does point to Jesus. And I think we can learn a lot from it. And I'm going to be reading other scriptures tonight. So I'm still reading from the Bible. So get off my back. All right. So uh, we can uh, just listen now to uh, the word of the Lord. Well, this part of the scripture. I don't know how to say this. Listen to what I'm reading. All right. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started writing the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the oldest first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Now, it's one thing for us um, to, to hear this story read to us. Um, but tonight, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I've never really done anything like this before, but I believe that this is what we need to do tonight. So I want for us to try to kind of imagine this uh, firsthand. And so tonight, I'm going to ask you um, just to close your eyes, and we've done stuff like this before, but I just want you to close your eyes, and, and I, I want you to imagine this story as, as we go through this. So everybody's eyes closed. Lord, I pray that you would help us, God, now as we go through this story yet again. Lord, that you would open up our hearts to what you're doing. So imagine with me now that you're in the temple, now listening to Jesus. People are quiet listening to him. They're fixated on every word that he says. And you, you've heard Jesus teach before, multiple times in fact, You would like to call yourself a disciple of his, but you don't know that you would do that because to do that would mean that you would have to live, leave the life that you live now. No, no, you're you're a great admirer of Jesus. He's a wonderful teacher and he's a great prophet. That's what Jesus really is. And you you have heard him teach on not worrying about tomorrow. You've heard him teach on different parables like the parable of the lost sheep or one of your personal favorites, the parable of the prodigal son. And every time you hear Jesus speak, you are amazed at his authority. He has conviction when he speaks, unlike the Pharisees that you've also heard so many times before. What makes Jesus even more different in your eyes is he lives out what he teaches. You've seen him with the multiple times, you've seen him multiple times heal people with various diseases. 
You had even seen him feed 5,000 people with only five loaves and two fish. But what always amazed you more was how he treated outsiders. He truly loved them and cared for them. That's why you love listening to Jesus. He's an embodiment of all the things he teaches. He really lives out the things that he says. He truly loves God. Little did you know that you were actually about to see a sermon lived out before your eyes. As you continue listening to Jesus speak, you notice that some people begin to fix their gaze somewhere else, like something else is happening. You try to ignore it because you want to pay attention to Jesus and you want to hear every word that he has to say. But now you're distracted by the commotion. You hear some noise coming from somewhere, but not sure where. Jesus stops talking now and he also sees the disruption coming. You look over your shoulder and you see it. It's the religious leaders. It's the Pharisees. You know deep down that the Pharisees don't like Jesus, though you would never dare speak poorly against them out loud. To do such a thing would put you at risk of getting removed from the temple and bring lots of shame to you and yourself and your family. While you know the Pharisees don't like him, you never understood why. Surely they recognize that this man, Jesus, is a great prophet. How else could he perform such miracles? While these thoughts play out through your mind, you notice that the Pharisees are coming straight for Jesus. They almost look angry. Why do they have stones in their hands? You notice then that they're not alone. You see that a woman is with them, but not just an ordinary woman. You begin to shrink as you realize that this woman isn't fully clothed. You're not sure what to do. Do you look away? Do you leave? This is all happening so fast. What is she doing here? And now the Pharisees and this woman are all by Jesus. You're locked in now. Apparently the Pharisees don't care if you listen in. You hear the Pharisees say to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Now you yourself are no scribe, but but you have definitely listened to Deuteronomy a time or two. The scripture rings through your mind. If a man is found sleeping with another woman's wife, both the man who slept with her and the woman must die. You must purge the evil from Israel. Can't get any clearer than that, you think. But as you think about it, you realize that the Pharisees don't have the man with them. Where is he at? Surely, if they are concerned with the law, they will have brought him also. Didn't the Pharisees say that they caught her in the act of adultery? Where is the man, you think to yourself? And why are the Pharisees asking Jesus this? They know that the Jews have no power to sentence people to death. We lost that right a long time ago with many other rights to Rome. But if he says otherwise, Jesus would be going against the law of Moses. This is an impossible question in your eyes. How could Jesus answer such a question? The Pharisees still have their stones in their hands. It seems like they are ready to stone this woman. You've only heard about stoning in person to death, but never seen it in person. Your adrenaline begins to pump through your body as things get more and more tense. But then you notice Jesus start to change his posture. What is he doing? You watch him go low to the ground, and he's starting to write in the dirt. You can't tell if he's sad, frustrated, or just plain angry. 
Jesus just keeps writing with his fingers, pressing deep into the dirt. Your eyes drift from Jesus to this woman. You see her trying to cover herself with what she can. She is crying. She looks ashamed, but more than that, afraid. I would be too if my life was on the line and I was clearly guilty. Maybe she does deserve to die. You would never say that out loud, but honestly, how could she do such an awful thing? You would never say that you are perfect by any means either, but this person clearly does not deserve mercy. You don't just fall into bed with somebody. There have been multiple choices leading up to this moment. You wouldn't blame Jesus if he did condemn her. She deserves it. You look to your peers and they seem to feel the same way. You yourself begin to pick up a stone. You notice that the Pharisees seem to be getting agitated at this point. Jesus just keeps writing in silence in the dirt. Jesus still has not answered their question. You don't see how he could. It seems to you more like a trick question at this point. How in the world could Jesus possibly answer that? But they're not letting up. They keep asking, What do you say? What do you say? Shall we stone her? Jesus changes his posture. He looks up at the Pharisees. Everyone becomes silent to hear his verdict. You hear Jesus say, Let any one of you who's without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Everyone is silent. Jesus goes back to riding in the dirt. You're not sure what to make of what Jesus just said. Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. You begin to search your own heart of all the sins that you've committed. Your mind goes straight to the Ten Commandments. You shall not murder. Well, no, never done that. But you recall Jesus' teaching. Whoever is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. You move on from that. You don't want to think about that. Well, you reason in your mind. At least I've never committed adultery like this woman has. But right after that thought crosses your mind, left again, recalling the words of Jesus. Anyone who looks at a person lustfully has already committed adultery in their heart. You begin to notice that the elders are dropping their stones. They are leaving. You have yet to drop yours, though, not fully convinced that Jesus is done speaking. You then see Jesus... And now Jesus is making eye contact with you. He isn't saying anything, but as soon as you made eye contact with him, you recalled one of the last teachings that you heard him say. You remember Jesus saying, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus continues to look at you, And now you can't seem to be able to look at him anymore. It's as if he's looking into your own heart. It's as if everyone has now left and it's just you and Jesus. In your imagination, you imagine that you are now on trial and that all that you have done has been exposed as if you were now the one naked and vulnerable before Jesus. Every poor choice, every lie, every malicious thought, every sin that you have done exposed right there in front of Jesus. Those words play back through your mind yet again. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. 
For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Your eyes turn to Jesus. You find it difficult to look at him, feeling somehow that he knows exactly what's in your heart. Your eyes now shift to the woman, hardly clothed, exposed, vulnerable, and in fear of great punishment. You realize now for the first time that you don't know this woman at all. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. This is the first time that you've ever seen her and you're already ready to cast your stone. The measure you use, it will be measured to you. How would you feel if you let strangers, if, if strangers were so eager to pronounce judgment on you just as you have on her? The fact is you already know exactly how it feels. You felt ashamed, misunderstood, desired grace from those who saw the way that you've acted before. People who've known your poor choices that you've made and never offered to help you out of them. Instead, they talked about you behind your back and and said other mean things about you. You You knew that what you did was wrong, but you also desired mercy and felt in defeat when no one offered it to you. No, instead they casted their stone of judgment. What's worse than that is you felt like God had done the same thing to you. You felt like God could never forgive you of all the things that you've ever done. You never felt like God loved you for all the poor choices and decisions that you've made. Sure, if you made the right sacrifices, said the right prayers, God would forgive you, but only because he had to. It wasn't because he actually loved you. How could God love a person like me? You clench your rock even harder now. With so many people willing to judge you, why can't you control this one opportunity for judgment? Your eyes shift back to Jesus. Why is he still looking at me? It's the first time that you've noticed Jesus' hands. They are dirty from riding in the dirt. But more than that, they are empty. His hands are empty. His hands have no stones in them. He's not eager to condemn this woman. In fact, you have noticed that Jesus has even moved now between you and the woman. You couldn't throw a stone at her without being at risk of hitting Jesus. You remember again one of his teachings. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Perfect, you think in your mind. Now that's one thing that I know I'm not. But when you look at Jesus, you can't think of one thing that he's ever done wrong. He's the only perfect man that you can ever think of. Jesus is the only one in the temple who could make this kind of judgment Jesus is the only one who could make the final judgment, not the Pharisees, not the Roman government, and certainly not you. If Jesus is not willing to condemn her, then who am I to? At that, you release your stone. Tears begin to flow down through your eyes as you realize that you don't have to wear the weight of judgment. Jesus can handle that. You begin to leave the temple along with everyone else. Everyone has dropped their stones now. 
as you begin to leave, you can't help but overhear Jesus and the woman conversation as Jesus draws near to her. Jesus says, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she replied. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus said. Go now, leave your life of sin. You overheard the conversation, but you didn't dare look back. You just try to imagine her response. Did she cry in relief? Did she say anything at all? You think back at all of his words. Neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. You know that Jesus never condoned her life choices, but he didn't condemn her either. For all that she had done wrong, and according to the law, she deserved death. Yet you remember how Jesus stood between her and those willing to stone her. He loved her so much that he was willing to die for her. You? You only wanted to be close enough to her to be able to throw a stone at her. But Jesus, he wanted a new life for her. Go now and leave your life of sin. She had a new opportunity. Her life had been saved. Jesus' love was so difficult to grapple with. If it had been you there, you wonder, guilty and deserving of death, would Jesus have taken the punishment for you? Would Jesus die for you? You may open your eyes. And the fact is that we know that Jesus would in fact stand in between. That Jesus would die for us, for the sins of the world. He took our place on the cross that we might be in right relationship with him. John three sixteen through 18 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And the fact is, like this woman, we all deserve condemnation. But the truth is that Jesus stands in our place and he takes our spot on the cross that we might be in right relationship with God. And that should change our outlook on life. And I can't tell from the text if Jesus actually stood in between the woman and his accusers, her accusers. But I imagine that's exactly where Jesus was in my mind. And I think about that, that so often I'm, I'm ready to cast my stones at people. Judgment of things that I think they need to be doing better and my thoughts of them. And I just think about Jesus standing in between us and that we should never be willing to cast a stone without also being willing to hit Jesus because Jesus loves these people. And by no means am I saying that we condone the way that people live when they're living this sinful life. We don't condone it. 
but I'm also saying that we must be uh, able to move closer to the situation in those people's life than a stone's throw away. We must be willing to allow God to be the judge and bring people to Jesus. We have to be willing to bring people to Jesus. Maybe some of you are feeling like the woman. You know that God loves you, that there is indeed freedom for you. Jesus didn't condone it, right? He says, leave this life of sin. He gives them a new opportunity. And Jesus is that new opportunity. So I just want us to think about that tonight. This, this very powerful story. Who are you in it? We read it from the perspective of somebody who's just in the crowd. Maybe you're like the Pharisees, dragging in people. Are they going to make it? You bring judgment on people all the time. You're always the one accusing, always the one seeing how things could be better, always knowing exactly how things are, exactly where people are at, exactly where they're going to go. You might be like the woman in a very vulnerable place right now, ashamed of what you've done, ashamed of where you, the choices that you've made. You feel like there's nothing for you. Jesus has life for you. Jesus can forgive you, can change you. He could change the Pharisees, he could change you, and he can change us that we would see people differently, that we wouldn't be so, so far away, that we just cast a stone at them, but maybe that we'd go and get closer and have a conversation with them about the problems that they're dealing with. Why are they living the way that they are? The thing is, it's a lot more comfortable to be away from a situation because that means that you don't have to be involved. You can just toss your stone and you know exactly what needs to be done. But Jesus, he, he moves in close. He speaks to the woman. He doesn't condone it, but he gives her new life and says, go leave your life of sin. I want us just to pray. And if you'd say, I am somebody who is always accusing people, always judging people, always throwing a stone, and I want to leave that job up to Jesus, would you just raise your hand? Amen. Lord, we pray for for ourselves, God, and the fact that so often we we're ready to throw stones, Lord, of judgment. God, without even getting to know the person. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that we would draw closer to you because you're standing right with them, Lord. You stand with the sinner, not condoning God. But, God, you're just there loving them. And so, Lord, I pray that we would leave the final judgment up to you. God, that we would... Love people, Lord, the way that you do. And God, even as I pray that, it's difficult for me to know the balance, God. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would draw close to you in that. Lord, that you would continue to reveal that, Lord, as we get in these situations and we talk to the people, God.
But Lord, I know that, that we are not the final judge. So Lord, I pray that you would break our hard hearts, Lord, for what breaks yours. Maybe you're like the woman tonight. and You feel ashamed for all the things that you've done. You're out there vulnerable. And if, if you were exposed, if I were to p- play on the PowerPoint every bad decision that you made, a video of every bad decision that you made and did that in front of everybody and you'd just be so ashamed. And you wonder if God would actually forgive you, if God actually loves you you want to say, Lord, I want to give you my life, would you just raise your hand? Lord God, we just give you our hearts, Lord, and Lord, we say that we're sorry. God, we know that when the day of judgment comes that you will indeed judge us. And Lord, we just want to plead the blood of Jesus, God. There's nothing that I can do, Lord. There's nothing, there's no good thing that I can do. So God, we just plead the blood of Jesus in our lives, Lord, and I pray, God, that you would help us to share the love of Jesus. I pray, God, that you'd forgive us of our sins, and Lord, help us to live this life that you're talking, God, to leave our life of sin and to sin no more, and just to once again rely on you. We love you so much, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You are